should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Because we got stuck in the post-apocalyptic future with fast zombies. <laughs> my name is Kevin and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, who I think I might be faster than. Benedict, how was your vacation? Hold on, no, let's talk back to that. <laughs> Over what distance? Short distance. Short distance. Short distance. Okay. Yeah, but that's all I need to like beat you on. If we're running from power. fast zombies, it's short distance. Yeah. This is not a marathon. That's Well, okay. That's true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Probably. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah. especially in your post-peloton post phase. Well, actually, I've been undead, man. Uh, and then, I, and then I'd, I'd hunt you down and catch you over a long distance, <laughs> deliberately and maliciously. Shit, that is true. Zombies have great stamina. Yeah. That's right. I would, Anyways. and I would be coming after you specifically uh-huh. for having run and left me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How was your vacation? Uh, I was fine. Whatever, <laughs> it was fine. It wasn't. It wasn't anywhere hugely fun. It was fine. Uh, I mean, for, I feel like for most Americans, they'd be like, "That's a dream vacation, yeah. going where you went to the, yeah. to Ireland to the, and the, the UK." UK. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, and it for you, good. it's just like ah, fucking that's work where trip. My, that's home. where my family lives. Yeah, work <laughs> trip. yeah exactly. <laughs> um so yeah no it was fine it was uh it was long i was away for a couple of weeks as our listeners know so uh mm-hmm. yeah it was mm-hmm. good uh, how about you how was your two weeks i didn't get a fucking vacation no you so, never do you're a lawyer no you made your choices you pay your debt i haven't get really debt relief no presumably no not, right no, no i did not i make too much <laughs> i make too much to get any debt relief uh <laughs> please but, give to uh, our patreon we have no money <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am three hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. That's true. Every uh, little helps. Like as every little That's bit helps. Niche every little for bit our helps. UK listeners. But uh, I did. Uh, I just realized uh, I don't think I have taken a vacation since I started working as a lawyer, uh, which is about a year now. I don't think I've taken a no, vacation. I don't think you have either. I went to I went to my little brother's wedding, but I was yeah. working on that trip. Yeah. Um, even while I was in Palm Springs, I was I, every day I was, had to jump on the computer and and do some work. Um, I can't think of any actual vacations I've taken, unless I'm forgetting something. I mean, Christmas I went back and visited. Yeah, uh, I did. Again, I, I, I was still. I worked really... on Christmas Day. Yeah. On Christmas Day, I billed like an hour and a half of work just because I had something I had to get done. Okay. So, uh, yep, yep, that's the way my vacations generally go. Yeah. But Benedict, uh, you probably know, but some of the folks out there, they might not. What exactly it is we do on the on this program? I can't even talk no. today. It's been a while. You're out of practice. Two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. get this right. But this is a show where we go deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of right wing thought, reviewing a chapter from a work of conservative nonfiction. In between, taking a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make America hate again. Benedict, start us off. Do you have a hot take for us? I do, and it's more well, it's it's semi hot take and semi call to action. Um, mm-hmm. In just on a personal level for me, I want the audience to help me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, Benedict do cool. Needs your money. Do, no, not that. Just do cool progressive shit. That's awesome. 
keep doing it. That's a given. But for me right now, what I need is I have reached the age where I don't listen to any new music. Oh, shut the fuck up. No, it's true. The age. We are both 30. Yeah, sure. That's true. I have reached, uh, uh, but I think this age is different for everyone. Like, I don't think it's oh, a, a it's a consistent numerical age. I just think it's a. I, oh, I've I've reached a life stage. Then let's say where mm-hmm. I'm not listening to any new music. I would love for people to recommend music that they think okay. that I might like. But you've always been lame, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's true. I, and I can't ask people to make me cooler. All I can do is ask for music recommendations, given the things that I like. So I have fairly yeah. diverse music yeah. taste. I've talked about it on the show before. Kevin knows what I like. Kevin's recommended me things before that I have liked. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, if anyone knows of any cool new music or old music that they think I might like, indie, like jazzy, anything, like big band stuff, love all that, love, love, love a wind band, anything. Um, yeah. A lot of thrash metal. No thrash, um, no to thrash uh, metal, no to screamo, uh, no, yeah, punk's <laughs> fine. Oh, like, yeah, you know, I love uh-huh. Maggie Thatcher, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that I found that video to send to <laughs> you. so funny. I saw Maggie um, Thatcher's all right. I saw, I was watching, but I, I went down a rabbit hole today and was like looking at like the greatest protest songs of all time. Yeah. I was looking at, um, like the, the Sex Pistols anarchy in the UK. And uh-huh. all I had in my head was Fred Armisen's face. <laughs> like I just can't get Fred Armisen's face up my head. He fucking ruined the Sex yeah, Pistols, yeah. didn't he? Well, no, the Sex Pistols ruined the Sex Pistols. Well, yo, an unfortunate murder ruined the Sex well, Pistols. Well, that and also Johnny Lydon just becoming a reactionary. Um, oh, God, isn't he the fucking worst? Yeah. The fuck is wrong with him? Yeah, Jesus like, Christ. Like, the, the funniest part of that, we're talking, we're talking about, I think it was a Saturday Night Live skit where was, Fred Armisen yeah, yeah. played, like, a punk artist who loved Maggie Thatcher. Um, and the like the funniest part of it is that that skit was before Johnny Rotten actually started being a fucking reactionary conservative. Yeah, there's a like, there's definitely a rebel to reactionary pipeline that I think we haven't explored enough. Right. There's like two members of the Who who ended being like up being like pro Brexit douchebags. Yeah. Roger Waters I'm is still pretty, cool though, so that's fun. Yeah, yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure Pete Townsend ended up being a pro-Brexit asshole. Maybe. Can neither uh. confirm or deny. <laughs> um, but, so there, I think there are two pipelines that we could look at. I think there's there's the the, the rebel, the young rebel to elder reactionary pipeline. Benedict, and how then, long do you want the Lunatic Fringe series to go? It's already very long. These are only episodes. two extra episodes. The the young rebel to 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 elderly reactionary, and yep. then there's I think there's the the other pipeline that's more well known and maybe a bit more explored uh-huh. already is is the Trotskyist to neocon pipeline. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Peter there's Hitchens a, route. Christopher Hitchens. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, Peter Hitchens, his brother. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, I think he claimed to be like a socialist when he was younger or something. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, even Christopher Hitchens went down the same path yeah, a, sure. a little bit. Um, but like lots of people, like I, that, that's a fairly well-worn, well-trodden path as well. So I think we could do that as well. I'll let you write those episodes. Okay, that's fine. I just need to find enough elderly reactionaries <laughs> who are rebels in their youth. I think there's plenty of them. There's well, there no are definitely shortage. plenty of elderly reactionaries. Anyway, that's a rambling way for t- uh-huh. to tell people to send me music on Twitter and YGBC. All right. Fun what stuff. about you? Uh, for me, better like driver's licenses are bullshit. That's true. Uh, finally got mine again the other day uh, in the state of Missouri. 
Uh, after not having one for a couple years now, I finally accomplished it. It took me three trips to the Missouri State Highway Patrol office. Not because I didn't pass a test or something, but because each time I went, they told me that, and one of these times was at 8.30 in the morning, they told me that they had fully booked up at 7.45 a.m. Amazing. For tests for the day. Because Missouri has structured their stupid fucking system to keep people from being able to get driver's licenses. As, I'm sure, an attempt at more voter suppression. Because oh, they require voter ID in this fucking state. So, probably. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. So eventually we got it. We had to wake up at 5.30 a.m. on a Saturday. Jesus. To drive to a place to be in the car sitting in line at 6.30 a.m. To be there when they opened the gates at 7 a.m. To get in line to stand in front of the door for when they actually opened at 8 a.m. This is the kind of fucking bullshit it takes in this state. Yeah, that's not great. Fucking bullshit. But, uh, anyways, on Housekeeping This Week, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Uh, follow us on the social medias at NYGBCPod on Twitter and at NYGBCBen. Uh, and I have, I have an update uh, mm. this week. Uh, I misspoke. I believe oh, it was on no. our last episode. Just um, stop fucking misspeaking. You know, maybe I, let, I should. Maybe I will yeah. someday. Uh, it was not Owen Schroyer who had said that the Capitol had fallen on InfoWars. Because, oh, of course, okay. Owen Schroyer was at the Capitol yeah, on that, that day. Sense. He was yeah. not hosting from InfoWars Studios in Austin, Texas, uh, which he is, of course, currently facing charges for. Mm. Um, that, the person who did that, was another even less talented InfoWars fill-in fascist youth named Harrison Smith, mm. who is like a wet paper bag as far as as talent or charisma goes, um, who said this. I'll just play it for you now, what oh, he cool. said. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, here's what he said on, on January 6th as this was going on. ...time, uh, truly incredible. D.C. is now in control of the Patriots as an officer of the United States Capitol Police radios the phrase we have lost control i repeat we have lost control protesters now inside the capitol building those marble stair staircases being trod upon by patriots who are raising their hands showing they are peaceful yet they aren't <laughs> going anywhere as one after another the security barriers have fallen vp mike pence evacuated from the capitol building trump loyalists storm u.s capitol tear gas deployed Few arrests made. The police have lost control. Barricades torn down. Buildings evacuated. The press has been moved to the basement as they scramble to avoid the on-press of millions, uh, at least I would say, my estimation, a million Trump supporters having moved from throughout D.C. and are now converging on the Capitol. This is revolution in progress. This is a major historic moment in the history of the United States. It is a privilege and an honor to be here sharing it with you and bringing you updates just as soon as possible. We're getting information you will not get anywhere else. We are receiving videos and updates in a faster method than any other network, mainstream, or otherwise. So, Federic, there's so much. There's so much that is fucking hilarious to me yeah. in that clip. First off is the way that he's just talking about how this is Patriots, they've taken the Capitol, is a great moment. And hours later, InfoWars would completely flip on that and claim it was all Antifa, and this was a false flag, Yep, and all that shit. Yep, 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 the peaceful protesters with their arms raised. Uh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep, 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 uh, yep. Second is the part where he's saying that they are getting info in ways that other people aren't. It's coming in faster than them. None of the networks have this. 
while literally what is playing on screen is the feed from Fox News. Yep, that's it. It right. says Fox News on the screen because they are just playing that through the Fox News feed to their mm-hmm. audience. And make the reason why they're able to say shit a lot faster than anyone else is because they're just they making it up as they it. go. Yeah. They're just making it up off the top of their heads. But that was beautiful. That was Did a- you did you see the there was something that was floating around Twitter? the other day that again like i didn't bother to fact check but it was people saying like oh it's harder for the right wing uh because like they don't verify their sources so it's easier Uh to fact check them i mean that's true yeah uh, yeah, it's like left wing slash mainstream outlets are less uh, less vulnerable to fact checking efforts because they do due diligence i guess vulnerable fact checking efforts is a great way to put that yeah i appreciate it but anyways, Bennett, why don't we move on? Uh, we have a few new inductees to our spooky world new world Welcome order. Welcome to the game. Yes, uh, we have one. <laughs> that, that, that I really did not know what <laughs> sentence <laughs> was going. Welcome either. to the Terradome. Yeah, <laughs> Thunderdome. That's what it's all about. But of course, we have our newest patron to welcome, the ghost of old Nonk Jones. Hi. Which is a wonderful um, uh, knowledge fight reference, if you're aware. But Ghost of Old Nonk Jones, also, you know, Grapes of Wrath, or a a, uh, Tom Joad reference, Grapes of Wrath. Mm. Uh, But uh, you are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. In addition, we welcome to the New World Spooky World Order this week, uh, an old, old repeat, Gamork, you are now part Mm. of our... New World Spooky World Order. And in addition, I would like to welcome to the New World Spooky World Order this week, John Hodgman. Comedian John Hodgman, who mm. liked one of my tweets. So, Hell John yeah. Hodgman, <laughs> I know you're listening, John. You're now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. And I know there were other people who, during the last two weeks while Benedict was gone, reached out uh, and did things that are worthy of the New World Spooky World Order. I may have missed you. It was a hectic two weeks for me. So, if I don't have you on the list today, reach out to me on uh, Twitter... I was going to say or other places, but no, Twitter's where you're going to get me. You all know that. Uh, and remind me, and I will make sure to put you on the list that we get you next week. Uh, please don't let me forget about that. But if you would like to be part of the Spooky World New World Order, of course, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending to others. Send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave me a five-star review wherever you can. Drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity. Become a patron or just get my attention with something good. And with all that out of the way, Benedict, why don't we get into the meat of today's episode. Let's do it. So, to begin with, I, as I said already, had a rough last two weeks at work. Uh-huh. By which I mean, while Benedict was on vacation, I mm. billed 102 hours over two weeks. Which, as a lawyer, means I worked about 110-ish total. Which is mm. to say that the show I had planned to do when Benedict got back about right-wing campus culture... I was unable to set aside any time to research and write, and I had to figure out something that would be far less time-consuming than that for me. Right. And it also goes to say that as far as the Lunatic Fringe series goes, this episode is not necessarily part of the collected volume of the series, right? It's mm. uh, it's not canon. It's uh, more of a one-shot. It's not canon. <laughs> It's not Kevin. It's head so, you know, It's Kevin's head uh, Whatever happens to our main characters in this episode, you don't have to consider that part of, uh, you know, any any uh, lore for the series going going forward. Uh, so I, it's I a wild-caught episode. 
I defaulted, as I do in such a situation, to thinking about which obsessions of mine had recently been in the public limelight. And given that Mm. it's primary season, and I'm an absolute political junkie, you know, that leads me to the title of this week's episode, which, Benedict, you don't know, I haven't told you yet, actually. That's true, yeah. They rise for the purpose of falling. Perennial (laughs) candidates and the election grift. I like that. So today, yeah, isn't it nice? We'll be talking about some figures. (laughs) We're talking about some figures I followed over the years in the right-wing political sphere. Perennial You should have losers. gone for Still I Fall. <laughs> you know what? That's not bad. I know. Nah, it's not too late to change it now. It's too late to change it now. <laughs> but these perennial losers who exist primarily for the hype or to build their celebrity or in some cases, obviously, the money. But uh, Yeah, start I was going to say, how much of this is like a grift? Because like, well, it feels like a lot of these are like literally. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get yeah. into that a little bit. I did manage we, to do a little bit of research. Do you think we could come out with a percentage percentage estimate of how much of this is just a grift? <laughs> how much? Eighty-seven like percent. Well, of this I mean, is a honestly, grift. I think it's a hundred percent a grift. It's a hundred percent the grift. Even okay, so, I, I I mean specifically a monetary grift. Yeah, like, like that's the know, thing. Some of it's a clout grift. That's hard to say because uh, there, there's different sources of money for this, right? So there's people who take money directly from the campaign. Mm. And there's people who, you know, by getting clout and followers and yada yada, will be able to make money off of other ventures. And so that's a, a sort of secondary channel for making money off of a campaign it's like, like this. It's like The Bachelor for even weirder people. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and wait, wait till we get to our people, Benedict. <laughs> I think you you won't realize how accurate that was until we get there. Here uh, I go again, predicting the future like Cassandra. <laughs> but, you know, what is a perennial candidate? Why don't we, why don't we start there, right? And I don't think... Someone that, who keeps running for office despite having no hope of winning. Well, sure, that's a, a good general definition, but I don't think there exists out there anywhere an actual specific definition for what is a perennial candidate. Ron Paul for president. (laughs) Sure. I don't think it particularly matters to try and come up with a definition that includes some people and excludes other, you know. My my only question is, can a perennial candidate ever win? You know, that is an interesting question. It is. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I think for me, as far as the people who I chose for today... The, the bigger part of it, because remember, we're talking more about the grifting side of it, is that they choose an election sort of on purpose that they really have no hope of winning. Can I guess who you've chosen? Go ahead. How many, how many have we got? Uh, we have three primaries we're talking about today. Okay. Right. Okay. So I w- I'm going to go for Laura Luma. Ah, you got one. Okay. You got I'm one. Laura Luma. Um... I'm I don't think you're going to get the other two, though. I'll tell no, you honestly. I don't think you're going to get the other two. Maybe not. I, I, so I, if you hadn't told me it was primaries, what I would have gone for was Laura Luma, uh, Ron Paul for president, because mm-hmm. I, I know we've done that before, but that's a perennial candidate. Um, and then I would have gone for uh, Dr. Oz, just because I think he's really funny. <laughs> no, no, he's not. He's not. And he's, he's only ever run once, as far as I know. No, I know, I know. But it's that kind I of I think like you have grif- to run at least grifting. twice to be a perennial candidate, right? I think that's, yeah, that's sort enough. of the bar. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but so, you know, uh, first, you know, some people who will not make the list. Uh, okay. Mostly because I think they actually have had some relevance in politics, and maybe they've won an election or two. And that they're less about what I will call the grift than pushing a toxic message they actually believe in. Uh, but I still think they've earned an honorable mention, right? So Ron Paul, right? Of course, we all mm-hmm. know he ran for president three times, 1988, 2008, and 2012. 
And was never going to win. It was never going to win, no. Lyndon LaRouche, who is an individual I don't know if you've ever heard of. Maybe you've heard him as like a joke, but a punchline of a joke before. Uh, but he ran for every election, uh, yeah, every I've presidential election between 1976 and 2004. Was he the one that was a comedian, or was he... No, no, no. Lyndon LaRouche is a crazy quasi-cult leader. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, uh, Vaguely, uh, it's hard to pin him down on beliefs, because, like, some of his things are, like, left-ish of center, like, barely left of center. Mm. On other stuff, he's, like, a hard-right fascist. So He has some anti-Semitism. It's hard to say exactly where LaRouche is, but he's a weird cat. How do we Um, feel about including David Duke in this? Uh, David Duke uh, is, in fact, on my list of perennial okay. candidates, but right. uh, not on my list we're going to talk about, but he's no, on my but list your of honorable mentions. Honorable Dishon- mentions. Dis- dishonorable mentions. But recall that he did win election. Yeah, that's um, true. In, uh, in uh, was it Louisiana, I believe? Uh, yeah, yeah. State, statewide election. Yeah, right? so he, he, he was an elected official in Louisiana. But Jesus next. Jesus Christ. I, keep, I always forget yeah. that, that and then I'm like, Isn't that Fuck. fucking nuts? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marine Le Pen. Uh, I think at this point, okay. most people have heard of Marine. All uh, right, she's the leader of the French uh, fascist party National Front, uh, which changed its name to National Rally in 2018. Probably hoping some people would forget its connections to Marine's Nazi father. Uh, her father. Can I can I do a deep cut and say that Jean Marie Le Pen is the true perennial candidate? I was just in, about in to family? say that Jean Marie Le Pen actually ran for French president five times. <laughs> I never got near. Like no. Marie Le Pen, I would well, argue, there was, like is actually a relevant. I believe force it was the 2002 election where uh, he did. He get, made it to the second round, yeah. but he got crushed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so he ran in 1974, 1988, 1995, 2002, and 2007. And in 2007, Marine ran his campaign, despite, you know, later kicking him yeah. out of the party for being a fucking Nazi. They publicly fell out, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but Marine herself, of course, recently ran for president twice in 2012 and 2017, and has announced that she plans to run again in 2022. I would contest that she's not, because she, I feel like if you make it to the runoff twice, other people are having to pivot their politics around what you're doing. Well, again, I say she doesn't make the grade as far as a, a, a loser grifter perennial candidate because she is actually leading a bona fide fascist movement with real world relevance. Yeah, let's put Jean-Marie Le Pen in. Okay, we'll put Jean-Marie, Jean-Marie Le Pen in. Next, Benedict, Nigel Farage. Uh, yep. Have to include Nigel. Uh, to recap, the dictionary exemplar photo for smug dickhead. Uh, is a former commodities trader uh, and founding member of UKIP, or mm. the UK Independence, Independence Party, which, uh, I don't know, would you like to take a stab at describing UKIP, Benedict? Oh, just... I, no. <laughs> <laughs> dicks. Just yeah. dicks. I, just a single-issue, like, xenophobic party. Absolutely. A lot of the time. Which just... even he ended up leaving because... They openly welcome like Tommy Robinson, who is too. I mean, you you do not under any circumstances have to give it to Nigel Farage. Yeah. But he left the party when they let Tommy Robinson in. Who's well, just a also, fucking... I mean, it, it basically collapsed after Brexit because right. that was its like sole issue. Right. Um, um, and N- Nigel Farage is quite complicated in that sense because, like, again, he led a movement that did lead 
the the bigger party like people were scared of ukip and they were getting a lot of votes and he was the leader of the party even though he never got elected because he was like the figurehead and could never rally enough people around him to win an individual election but the party that he founded and led had a lot of national influence so that like that's a tough one um because he was a never elected leader but like people were very responsive to right. what ukip and he were doing yeah and so he stood for election to the house of commons seven times yeah. uh five times in general elections and twice in by-elections he lost all of those of course but he was elected to the, to european, the european parliament, parliament yeah. five times although my understanding is that MEP elections are different and easier for someone to get in. It's proportional representation, yes. not first past the post, so it right. is easier. So the party, a, if the party gets enough minority. votes, then you're able to get in. Yeah. Exactly. But, again, doesn't make the list because as basically one of the leading figures of the Brexit movement, he's at least partially responsible for that and is definitely far too successful to make our cut despite being a raging dickhole. Mm. So I had to give some shout outs to the international fail gang there, right? There you With, go, uh, yeah, yeah. Nigel and, and Maureen there, because of course our main characters today are all American. Uh, so why don't we begin our tour of perennials, which I like to imagine are like flowers in the the, uh, the sense that that ter- term is used, with a young lady in my home state of California by okay. the name of Deanna Lorraine. Okay. Have you Don't heard of Deanna Lorraine at all? No, no, let's, let's go. Okay. So most learning people, new things. Most people probably haven't heard of Deanna Lorraine. But if you have, yeah. it may be from a banner that she paid for to be flown over San Francisco behind a plane that said Pelosi for prison. Cool. Be- because, you know, you can probably beat that dead horse a few more times and it'll get up eventually. I'm sure it will. Uh. It's going to happen. Uh, so, of course, in 2020, Deanna ran against Nancy Pelosi in California's 12th district. A district that uh, Richard Nixon once represented, by the way. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and Deanna ran on a pretty aggressive platform of Pelosi bad and lock up Pelosi and please pay so attention this is, to me. This is no, San really. Francisco. Yeah, this is San Francisco. Well, it, uh, the district does not cover all of San Francisco, but it's a decent chunk of it, I think. Uh, but definitely not all of San Francisco. And San Francisco is a massive city, obviously, so it has more than one uh, congressional mm-hmm. district that covers it because congressional districts are roughly, I forget what the number is, but it's, I believe it's 700 and something thousand people per congressional district. Ish, yeah, I'm probably wrong on that, but that's what I see. No, because there's, top there's 360 million people. And so that would make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. Across 435. But yeah, so uh, really there's nothing special about any of Deanna's platform or any positions. In essence, it could be described as, Trump should be made dictator for life, and I'll say whatever gets the most retweets. It's really about the grift. The point isn't politics or positions. It's attention and clicks that they don't even care about turning into votes because running in these heavily blue districts, there aren't even enough red votes there to fill a rental quinceanera banquet hall. But when you turn this campaign national, and focus on just getting enough delusional extremist weirdos to follow you, you can build a niche brand in the conservative influencer sphere, enough to make a living on. So take, for example, Deanna's grift. That's the thing. Like, It's such a big country that mm-hmm. you uh, you don't need much support Absolutely. to grift your way to, the, to at least like middle-class wealth. Well, Benedict, <clears throat> let me read you the About section of Deanna's Hell Facebook yeah. page where she says, quote, <clears throat> Deanna Lorraine, a.k.a. the red-pilled relationship and dating coach. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I feel like she should have put pause for laughter into did, the text. Did, uh, is is it just like the like a clip from Hitch? Like is that the? Yeah, it's just Will Smith from Hitch. It's like Hitch, except they hate homeless people. Um, is an internationally acclaimed dating, relationship, and life coach and celebrity love doctor, and is recognized as one of the leading dating and relationship gurus in the country. Dot 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 making frequent guest appearance. Okay, hold up. Dot, yes, dot, dot, I know. The why dot, dot, why dot was being... there an ellipsis there? <laughs> well, because the ellipsis is by nobody. <laughs> I don't know why there was an ellipsis there. It's recognized by no. Yeah, she's going for an M dash. It doesn't make any for. sense. No, to it me. makes no sense. Making frequent guest appearances uh, on numerous local and national TV shows, from Fox Five to Rachel Ray. Oh, hell Fox yeah, Rachel Ray. Okay. Benedict, which Fox 5? I'm sure there is more than one Fox 5. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it, I, they normally have like different numbers. Okay, there's the like CBS 13 in like 12 different cities in this country. I don't know. I think, I, the, I think Fox no, 5 the is number Atlanta, is maybe? The number that usually comes after that is the, um, uh, the, the broadcast station number that they are in the local market. Yeah. So it's just no. Whatever, yeah, you're right. Whoever they're affiliated with, and then usually the channel number, and yeah, and that yeah. doesn't even really apply anymore since we, everything's gone to cable or streaming or whatever. But they still go by that sort of numbering. So it's it's meaningless. It doesn't make any sense. But no, you're right. She's renowned largely for his her extensive expertise and progressive knowledge of modern dating relationships and mastering the art of attracting the opposite sex. Mm. Deanna knows the new rules and etiquette of the modern dating game exceptionally well and has years of experience coaching hundreds of singles on how to go from lonely and distressed to total romantic success in a few months. So, sounds okay. to me like she's basically an incel dating coach because Seems I don't know. That, yeah. <laughs> the red pill rating. I mean, uh, what are, what is a dating coach other than an incel dating coach? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, it's probably it. But it continues. Youthful and innovative and edgy. Deanna is also savvy with the new technologies and social media, having a large online presence herself, parenthetical Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc., making her highly relatable to the generation of singles and daters in this new millennium. In this new millennium. In this new millennium, Benedict. Yeah, that's when this website was last updated. She's younger than you and me. She wrote this like three years ago. If you're new to the dating scene or have been out of it for a while, there is no one better than Deanna to help you navigate successfully. And if you have been unsuccessfully dating for a while, there is no better person to help you get it right, in all caps, this time, and enjoy a successful love life quickly. To read more about me or my dating, relationship, and life coaching services, or to sign up for a free 60-minute coaching strategy session over the phone to learn more about how I can help you win, in caps, the game of love, Visit my website. She gives the website URL, DeannaLorraine.com. No HTTPS. Not a secure website. Hell yeah. She gives it an HTTP. Uh, Now, I'm 99% sure that what happened there is that Deanna wrote that about section before she decided to run for Congress and forgot that the about section of Facebook exists because that is currently up on her Facebook page. The rest of which says nothing about dating whatsoever. And looking back through her YouTube and her social media, she hasn't tried to do this relationship coaching thing since about 2017, 2018. But it sort of gives us a clue of where she's coming from and what she's trying to accomplish with promoting Uh her personal brand here. Oh, oh, yeah. 
You also might have noticed there that she said she was on Rachel Ray. Hey, hey it's big. Yeah, that's it, what I was going to ask. Can you play the Rachel Ray clip? It, it's 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 un- unfortunately, I say it's big if true because okay that definitely does not show up on her IMDb page, which she does have. <laughs> Is it like was it in also the doesn't audience show up for on Rachel any Ray? searches of YouTube I could do for Deanna Lorraine Rachel <laughs> Ray, any Google what? searches of Deanna Lorraine Rachel Ray, or any indication whatsoever that she has ever been on fucking Rachel Ray. She went to a taping of Rachel Ray. (laughs) That's what happened. I'm 90% sure she just made up that she was on Rachel Ray. Sure. Because that basically all everything in that about sexual, it was all fake, right? So, like I said, her IMDb page does not show. That's how you do dating, Kevin. You just fake it till you make it. (laughs) Didn't you know that? Well, her IMDb does not show that she was on Rachel Ray, but it does show that she appeared in the documentary QAnon Into the Eye of the Storm. Because, of course, she is also a QAnon believer. Uh, And scrolling through her Facebook feed, just back at the end of June, she reposted a memory, you know those come up on uh, Facebook sometimes, uh, from three years ago, of her standing with Vincent Fusca, the man that many QAnon believers think is JFK Jr. Oh, he's the weird guy that looks kind of like JFK Jr. He's the fedora one. Okay, I have to point this out every time. There are two of them. There are two of them that these people think is JFK Jr. One of them wears a fedora. That one is Vincent Fusca. (laughs) He is the fedora one of the two. Sure. But it included the caption that she put on this time, not from the original uh, uh, memory. Ran into the awesome Vincent Fusca at the Faith and Freedom Coalition in D.C. This guy will be on my campaign trail. U.S. flag emoji, American uh, American flag emoji, heart emoji, and then the hashtags faith, hashtag freedom, hashtag conservative, hashtag Trump. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, she's also done a whole bunch of appearances on Infowars, where she has guest hosted a pretty good number of times, and uh, made her appearance at the Alex Jones Emergency Free Speech Summit in Washington, D.C., which I I actually didn't write down the date of, but I believe it was back in 2018, if I'm correct. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, Let me check. Nope, 2020. That is more recently than I thought it was. February 2020. Uh, So I will play, and this clip that I have, it is mostly Alex Jones talking. But I figured this is fun. Why don't I play for you what this All this right. appearance was? This is and this is, this is what this lady has to say. It's nothing but cringe. But this is from her Facebook. Let's see what it says. Yeah, yeah. I can talk all day, as you know, but Deanna Lorraine is amazing. She's so smart. Oh, I should also point out that Alex Jones is incredibly drunk when he's introducing her. Oh, he is. You would never up. know. <laughs> he sounds she's exactly how he always fire. sounds. And She's running against Nancy Pelosi. Okay, pause it. Is she running against Nancy Pelosi or is she running in a primary? A sexy lady who's smart. That's crazy. Thanks for being here with us. So uh, you asked if she she was running in the primary this time. This is 2020. And I, I just want to point out the gross thing of conservatives every time. Every, Every time, time. There is a they're like, you can't woman. be smart and sexy. They obsess over their looks because it, it is about the looks for these people. That is really the part that they care about um, because, you know, the, it's not like ideas matter that much with this group of people, but it's it's about the looks. That's why Fox News has a leg chair. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, by the way, uh, neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes also appeared at this event. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's not great. 
Alex Jones introduced him as well. Uh, thank you. I, can you just Woo! pause it a sec? Mm-hmm. I just Googled this woman, and one of the yep. top results is the summary of the article is, De- Diana Lorraine was among a host of conservative figures who spoke out against Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B's track. <laughs> well, Benedict, you just ruined the thing I had later in my notes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> because, yes, at one point, she complained on social media about WAP. And then claimed that she was getting a bunch of death threats from Megan the Stallion fans. Amazing. <laughs> so I guess we can skip that part of the fucking notes, asshole. There yep. we have about 30 seconds of this left of her talking or whatever. Hi! I love you guys. Thank you so much. It's such an honor, first of all, to be introduced by Alex Jones. He's so fantastic and he speaks the truth. So give it up for him. He always speaks the truth. Yes, yes. And that's why they hate him so much, because he speaks the truth and he is bold and courageous. And that's exactly more of what we need right now. Going into... And that's where it ends. That's the portion cool. she put up on her Facebook page. Oh, amazing. That's what she, she cut, thought was relevant she to put was up like, on her Facebook page. I will cut myself off <laughs> mid-sentence. There's nothing more to see here. I said some dumb shit after this. Nobody else needs to hear that. I can't do a, a hard cut in the middle of this. Yeah. You couldn't have cut after the thing you said about Alex Jones. No. Goddamn. Goddamn these people. Um, unfortunately, Benedict, I know I, I have to tell you that on November 3rd, 2020. She won? Uh, no (laughs) she was unfortunately banned from twitter oh shit uh which she posted about that's pre-election what did she do no that's that's that is um november that's the day of the election right isn't it november 3rd or why Uh, do i always think it was november isn't november 6th the 2012 election it's november 7th november 7th is this year's election so what the fuck was she doing okay well on november 3rd 2020 I know it was November 3rd. The, the election itself was November right? 3rd, 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. Because November 6th was uh, 2016. And for like four years, we all said November 6th is election day. Yeah. Uh, and now we have to switch over to, no- I guess we just say election day 2020. Anyways, she posted on Facebook about being banned. Quote, I am livid. Twitter banned me today just for saying this. Please spread the word. And then she had a screenshot. Uh, and one of those little pointy down hands uh, pointing towards the screenshot. Uh, and it also said uh, uh, in her, her Facebook post, star, star, I even spelled fraud with a zero crying emoji. And then there's a picture of the offending tweet, which reads, this is getting scary, folks. Fraud, F-R-0-D, being reported everywhere. Hashtag stop the steal. So... I'm sure that's not the only reason why she got banned from Twitter, but she was spreading election misinformation. Yeah, you really. And she got banned from Twitter. Yeah, they were very uh, sensitive about that at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe they should have been a bit more sensitive about it, given what happened a few months later. Uh, but from her campaign YouTube page, which hasn't posted anything in a little over a year now, uh, we can find all sorts of gems. Uh, videos with, for example, the title, We're Being Hunted! All caps. Open season on MAGA, which is a, a 10 minute video of her complaining, I think in like a like a restaurant space of some kind. I can't figure out where she was talking for that one. Uh, one titled Deanna Lorraine Media Hits Compilation 2021, which is like 70 percent her on Infowars hosting while Alex is out on vacation. 
Uh, a, a video she did in front of the Georgia Guidestones, uh, which is subtitled The Great Reset, Deanna Lorraine. Or, uh, I'm sorry, it's a Great Reset, Deanna Special Reports. That's what it is. But why don't I give you a little taste of what she's like? You know, we only heard that little bit. I'm sure, you know, that was 2020, early on. I'm sure, I'm she sure got, she's matured, mellowed. I'm sure that she learned on the campaign trail, became a great public orator, mm. and really knows how to lay it down. So why don't we look at this video from Maybe her Maybe she's campaign. learned how to edit as well. Yeah, her campaign YouTube page. This is from, I think, some sort of speech she gave in front of San Francisco City Hall. Mm. Um, so this is a campaign event, a campaign speech. And this is titled, Deanna Lorraine vs. Antifa. Leftist verbal assault on Deanna at her rally in San Francisco. She posted this. <laughs> she posted this. Okay. <laughs> yes, she did. Yes, she did. Why don't we see how this goes? Pelosi and Gavin are laughing it up on Jimmy Kimmel. They are wearing their Halloween costumes, and they're busy focused on impeaching the best president ever. There's not a lot of white people here, actually. There's a lot of mixed races. What Trump is about, all Americans. I have to tell you what's going on in this video. The Antifa, who are verbally assaulting her, is a random passerby on the street. Who, who was like, a Trump's a racist. <laughs> yeah. Trump is a racist. And Benedict, the large multiracial crowd she is speaking of, there is not, I, I, and I'm not making this up. There is not more than 10 people there to see her campaign rally speech. 10 people. Most of those multiracial ones she's talking about are literally just passerbys on the street. All the people who are there for her are fucking white. You can go look at the video. The vi the camera pans when this is happening. It's outstanding. It's fucking amazing. Trump is about all Americans. And you know what? Thank you for saying that because... You have the right to say that. That is your First Amendment right. And Trump wants to protect that. Our president wants to protect that. Democrats want to restrict free speech. Democrats want to restrict free speech. Democrats are the party of restriction. Republicans are the party of freedom, baby. Baby. Wake up, folks. We are at war. Wake up, people. We are at war with and them. We're on the verge of war. <laughs> With those kind of campaign chops, That's with those chops. kind of speech skills, I mean, she must have destroyed Nancy Pelosi, right? She, she must have just fucking wrecked Nancy with what no, she has going on for her there. But she did destroy Agatha Basella. <laughs> I love that you went and pulled up the results before I could even get to them. Yep. So, uh, California has a nonpartisan primary system, uh, which means that all the candidates, regardless of party, run in uh, the same election uh, for the primary. And the top two vote getters, regardless of party, go on to the general election, which I think great is a great system. system. Yep. It gets rid of the fucking false two party dichotomy. It's yep. a great system. Um, in this particular election, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Got 74% of the vote with 190,590 in the primary. Um, second place, Benedict, 
Not our girl. Shahid Batar. Yeah, another Democrat. Another Democrat 13%. Yep. yep. 33,344. Uh, John Dennis, a Republican, got third place, 7.7%, 19,883. And then Benedict, still not Deanna, Tom <laughs> still Gallagher. Not. Yep. Another Democrat got 2% with 5,094. And then Benedict in fifth place, Deanna Lorraine, 1.8%. 4,635 votes, but you are correct. She did beat Agatha Basilar's 1.5% with 3,890 votes. So she can live, she can walk with her head held high. I truly believe I could get 4,635 <laughs> votes doing <laughs> no campaigning. I think you could do a write-in campaign yeah. and get 4,000 yeah. votes. I honestly think you might be able to I do I could that. be like, hey, everybody's old, I'm young, time for change. If you just and pay I reckon... for enough posters around yeah. New York City, there's going to be enough people who vote for you as a gag candidate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vote for me because it'll be funny. (laughs) And honestly, I'm not even sure that Nancy Pelosi knows that Deanna exists. I'm going to run on a campaign of I will yell at Ted Cruz every day. Like, (laughs) whenever I see him, I will yell at Ted Cruz. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's my whole campaign. But I I don't think Nancy, and it's not just because Nancy is a thousand-year-old skeleton that should retire, right? It's mainly because Nancy has no reason to know who Deanna Lorraine is, right? Yeah. It's possible that when the Pelosi for prison plane thing happened, some staffer handed her a story to laugh at. But at this point, like, Nancy Pelosi has been the prime target of the worst right-wing hate and fake news they can try and smear her with for, like, the better part of 25 years. Yep. So why would she actually give a fuck? No. I, I don't think she knows who he is, but no, she, uh, how about we I, let our girl Deanna go and move yeah, on to our next one? eternal fail son, Omar Navarro. Oh, I love Omar uh, Navarro. I guess fun. Okay, let's go with Omar Navarro. Well, to begin with, Benedict, I have to address uh, the thing that uh, many people may be upset if I don't mention, and that is that he looks like a lazily made claymation figure of Jimmy Neutron's friend Carl Weezer with black hair. I'm glad you Many people that. might that's be upset. The, that's the, uh, I mean, the elephant in the room, really. Apart yeah, from re- yeah, yeah. Also, not the character from Ozark. No. Uh, as much as he might like people to think he is, because Ben, no joke, his Twitter profile about section has hashtag Ozark in it. That's funny. Because I think he wants people to accidentally search for that character and end up clicking on his profile. So I'm this 100% is, sure. he's a, uh, he runs in Maxine Waters district, right? That's yes, the, okay. yes, yes, yes. So uh, Omar was born and raised in Inglewood, California and attended high school in Torrance. Um, I have a friend who grew up in Torrance uh, from college. That's about all I know about it. Uh, and then he attended ITT Technical Institute where he graduated with their version of a bachelor's degree in criminal justice justice uh he is 32 years old barely older than us and has worked as an online marketer that cool. is his words as well as uh at target and for amazon that is some multi-level marketing bullshit i'm pretty sure that's probably <laughs> that what's going on there that is herbalife for but that sure that is how he described himself to an interviewer who asked the question um but uh in 2016 omar declared uh that he was uh running for election in uh, maxine waters's district um and you know how do you think he did in 2016? Uh, I think he think lost because Maxine Waters has been a fucking incumbent yeah, for quite a while. Uh, uh, Maxine had 76.1% of the vote uh, to uh, his 23.9% of the that vote. That is, um, to be fair, okay. Really? I don't yeah. even think... that Because, I mean, that's fucking destructive. 
That's like, that is 76%. 76. Maxine Waters got 76%. Oh, yeah. I mean, if that happened in a presidential election, you'd be like, fuck, that's bad. But like, okay, but maybe is... the reason why I, I think it's so insane is that he ran again next year. Yeah. What do you think okay, happened that so... year? Do you think, do you think he won that one? 2018? No, but so here, here's oh, my well. thing. Here's my thing <laughs> with this. If you yeah. look back at previous, uh, now I'm real time researching as you're talking uh-huh. about this. Um, like you like to do? Yeah, I do. D- she's above seventy percent in every election. Like, right. n- no matter, no, no, no. But even before him, no matter who. I so know he's not uniquely bad. Mm, well, Benedict. I mean, we as a person, about him that might make no, it. no. Ah, I, as, some things. I, I, as a person, but as a candidate, <laughs> he's not underperforming the. Uh, the again, mean. Benedict, we'll learn some things. Oh no. <laughs> What, how? <laughs> what can we possibly learn? <laughs> oh, Benedict. Oh, Benedict. So you ran in 2018? Yeah. In 2018, he lost 77% Maxine Waters to 22.3%. Uh, at least that time. This is know. in the generals. He's winning the primary. He won. The, he he was the top sure, Republican sure, in that primary. Sure, he got the second place in the primary. Yeah. Because nobody is running against Maxine Waters because they know there's no chance. Yeah, it is a bit dumb. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a grift. That, that, yeah, yeah, this, this is, is a grift, Benedict. <laughs> Oh. He ran again in 2020, and I'm sure that time, right? Surely in 2020, he was finally going to win, right? No, we didn't even get right? a nomination. No, no, <laughs> 71.7% <laughs> uh, Maxine Waters that time. But Benedict, he's running again in 2022, and Wait, this time on. he has a shot, doesn't he? No, Kevin, he didn't even get the nomination in 2020. <laughs> I love this. So he didn't much. even get through the primary in 2020. Uh, Joe Collins did, and that's yeah. when Maxine Waters performed the least well that she has performed in the last few years. I, Benedict, I I don't know how to tell you this, but this man will continue to run. Oh no yeah. What happens? Well, at some point, Maxine Waters is gonna die. I mean, yeah, that probably is true. Uh, but you know, for the 2022 election, Benedict, he did win the primary. Yeah, he did. He got. 11.9% in the primary for 2022, uh, 8,917 votes compared to Maxine's 55,804. By the way, it is insane how few how few people vote in primaries. It is. It really is. People it's, ought to vote more in it's primaries. It's like a half electorate, if, if yeah. that, like a 40% yeah. electorate. Oh, did I tell you I, I didn't vote in the primary in Missouri because Kevin. my polling place was a mile and a half from my home and I don't own a car and this city has no public transportation. Yeah, mine was a mile away. It's not great. Yeah. Well, at least you have a fucking subway oh, in New York. for the first time. Did I tell you? I did not. We yeah. should have talked about this. I know. It was the day before I left, so I didn't have time. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I voted in the primary and both my candidates won, so that was cool. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. But uh, so anyway, this time that uh, he he finally ran, uh, or uh, you know, this time meaning the 2022 election, um, he actually ran into Maxine at the elections office and posted a video of it on his Twitter, which is is just precious. So I'm going to mm. play it for you. You can see how that interaction went. Sure, let's go. Restart. Maxine Waters. Hi. How are you doing? Yes, I am. So it's a little hard to hear what Maxine is saying, but she asked, "Are you Omar Navarro?" (laughs) At least she recognized. At least she does. Yes, that is. I was gonna say. At least he has that over Deanna. Oh, that's gonna sound bad based on what you're gonna learn about him in a little bit. You running again? Yeah, I'm doing again. You know. Well, I was trying to do it in different district. What? I was trying to do it in the third district, in the California. You got Republican uh, opponents. Well, yeah, there was two Republicans running in the other district. You 
got tricked. <laughs> I can't hear her. She ends telling him, you got tricked. <laughs> she gives him a finger gun, and she walks out. Great. You're running against me? You got tricked. Finger guns. Bye-bye. Bye-bam. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. And the tweet he posted she, to be, to, Also, she should retire too. Oh yeah, for sure. She's way too old for this shit. Uh, but the tw- we talked about her in a patron-only bonus where we did that movie, uh, the Diamond yep, and Silk movie. Yep, uh, that, that I don't remember fun. the name of. Dummy Kratz, that's the one. Dummy Kratz. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so the tweet he posted that in read, quote, I ran into Maxine Waters at election filing office and saw the preferential treatment she received from county employees. They were literally just both in the office. That's all that was shown. There was nothing going on there. Uh, But Omar, he's not just doing this for laughs. You know, he's got real goals. He's a mover and a shaker. Yeah, what are his goals? Tell me. He pays himself a salary out of his campaign fund. Sure he does. uh, Which is, to be fair, not actually illegal under the Federal Federal Election Commission rules in principle. (laughs) More frowned upon. In principle, I'm not opposed to it. Because allowing a candidate to be paid a salary out of campaign donations, in theory, would allow candidates who are not personally wealthy to run for Congress and and not have to worry about making ends meet. So, net positive in general. But, in a situation where someone seemingly purposefully picks a race, they have absolutely no chance of winning and lose four times in a row. A fact that well, presumably he, might- he has to live there, right? I mean, it has to be, you have to live in your district. Yeah, you? Uh, no, you don't. You don't. Well, I, actually, that's a good question because in some places you do, in some places you don't. So I don't actually yeah. know. I don't actually know on that. Um, but, you know, so it, I tend to think he's maybe not entirely above board given that he mm. knows he has absolutely no chance of winning but keeps paying himself a salary for running for office. Um, And that story, I want to give credit, was actually broken by a reporter at the Daily Breeze, the newspaper of record for Hermosa Beach, California, beautiful city that I've never been to and know nothing about. Um, Mm. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, You should click it for no other reason than to see the hair of the guy standing next to Omar in the picture they use as the main image on that story. I'm looking at it right now. It is a total flock of seagulls insanity. This guy's hair is in five different time zones. Uh, and that picture was of Omar talking at a fundraiser he held at the Trump National Golf Club in 2017. That's that's where he did that because, of course, the grift is is on all sides on this one. Uh, but Navarro has managed to perfect an art form that of fundraising off of a long-standing Republican campaign of hate against a particular mm-hmm. Democratic lawmaker, very very similarly to what Deanna Lorraine yep. did with Pelosi, and. The trick is to focus your messaging on a national audience, once again, because, of course, the locals, even if they agree with you, know that you're just a joke candidate, and giving them your money is chucking it down a hole. And it turns out when you have people like Roger Stone as your campaign advisors, which Omar does, you can get some good money raised. Uh, and I took the time to pull up one of his campaign disclosure forms. for the. Could we have included Beto O'Rourke in this? Um, I mean, the difference is that Beto actually has close elections. Like, there's a chance that he could possibly win. He Maybe. He's not going to beat Ted Cruz, though. Like. I, I, I don't think it's likely, but he's not running an entirely hopeless election. There's a difference there. That's I think yeah, but he runs difference. well. He runs in a different election every time too, like different statewide elections. Sure, but <laughs> like he's. I, I think the difference is a. There's an actual thing going on, right? There's a movement he is in charge of, a movement he is leading in Texas. He has political goals that are not just based on grifting 
I, I think it's different. Fair I think enough. it's different. I'm not. I'm not the world. We talked before. I'm not the world's hugest Beto fan. No, but I no. also. I think he's more than just a grifter candidate. Um, there are certainly, I'm sure, grifter candidates on the left who run in hopeless elections with no chance of winning. I'm sure they are out there. But you know, uh, this show is not about the left. The show no. is about us looking at the right. Unapologetically. But I pulled up uh, one of his campaign disclosure forms for the first quarter of 2019. Uh, and in that quarter, he raised $81,298. Uh, and assuming he made that for the next three quarters, that's over $320,000 a year. That disclosure that I pulled up, by the way, showed that Omar paid himself $4,000 on January 2nd, 2019. $4,000 the next month on February 2nd, 2019. So he's paying himself out of the campaign. He's just paying himself a straight up. That's a, a decent salary. Uh, for most places, California, you know, to be fair, is expensive to live in, but he's paying himself a nice chunk of money. But there were other things in there that stood out a little more, like the $320 paid to the MGM Grand Las Vegas, the $530 paid to the restaurant Nobu in Caesar's Palace, Las Vegas, the $2,600 paid to the Bellagio Hotel, uh, more payments to the MGM Grand. You get the idea. Omar is living high off the hog on donations from clueless out-of-state boomers who see a Facebook ad he placed that he's running against Maxine Waters, react with the trained hate response that's been built into them by the Republican media machine, and give him $20 to spend on overpriced sushi. That is the idea of what Omar is doing. But... It wouldn't be enough just to talk about the political side of his activities. He has some extracurriculars, of course. Uh, in 2016, he was convicted for illegally attaching an electronic tracking device to his wife's car. He received one day in jail, 18 months probation, and was ordered to take an anger management class. Uh, he pled guilty on that one. But, of course, up until the moment that he did, he was calling all the media fake news and saying fake that news, they were yeah, doing this to hurt his election chances. Yeah, that, of course, happened. Uh, in 2017... Omar resigned as volunteer traffic commissioner for the city of Torrance, which I'm sorry, that's an embarrassing position to be in. A volunteer traffic commissioner is an embarrassing title to have. It just It's is. extremely funny. That is a like a Tobias <laughs> Funke arresting development yes, it title. Is. Uh, but he resigned from that after a video emerged of him as the passenger in a car full of douchebags who pe pepper sprayed a gr group of children at a awesome. protest in favor of sanctuary city policies. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, in 2018, he... Tw Hanging out the passenger side of your best friend's ride, <laughs> pepper-spraying children. Uh, yep. Uh, in 2018, he tweeted out an insanely racist fake letter that was supposedly written by Maxine Waters that said that Maxine was working with CAIR, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, to relocate 41,000 Somali refugees to East and South Central L.A. I remember that. And this letter was supposedly to a bank executive and said that the deal would only work if the bank would pay for all the refugees to live in the new apartments and housing projects in the area. Uh, this letter was so embarrassingly fake that he got interviewed by the FBI about it uh, and told the media that he got it from a secret source that he couldn't name, but that he wouldn't, who he hadn't talked about since receiving the letter. And then, Benedict, this is the part where it gets a little bit sad and the part where all those things I've been telling you that you've said were ironic come together. In 2019, a restraining order was issued against him that prevents contact between him and his former girlfriend for five mm. years. That girlfriend's name, Deanna Lorraine. 
No. Yeah. 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 Jesus. Nothing, I should say, nothing is funny about domestic abuse. And I think everyone no. should know by this point of the story that I think Omar is an absolute scumbag. Um, yeah. The order cited harassment and stalking of Deanna, and uh, wouldn't you know it, in December of 2019, Omar violated that order and was charged with stalking, criminal threats, and attempted extortion, as well as a violating a restraining order. Uh, he pled down to only one of those charges, for which he served six months. Benedict, that six-month period was the 2020 primaries. He was in jail during the 2020 primaries, which you might recall a little bit ago, you raised as the only one he didn't won over the last several elections. He still got a lot of votes. He still got too many votes. He was barely, what, 200 votes behind the guy who actually came in second? 14,000 people (laughs) voted for a man who was actively in jail. Yes! Then look... Like I said, nothing funny about domestic abuse, but that part of it is funny. That he almost came in second place and made it to the general while being in jail is a little bit funny. Can you imagine conservative media if Democrats nominated someone who was in jail? (laughs) I can. I absolutely can. They'd lose their fucking shit about it. But the fun, like, the funniest part Jesus about it, Christ. this is the funniest part. And like, I have followed Omar on social media for a long time because I love to clown him every time he runs, which is like, ah, here's you saying six months ago that this time you'll beat Maxine, blah, you know, me reposting uh, screenshots of his bullshit. Um, but the funniest part about it was the fact that he complete, completely pretended like this never happened. And when he got out for months afterwards, every one of his tweets and his posts just got bombarded with replies going holy shit you out of jail finally with of course myself included in those commenters mm-hmm. <laughs> my i'm no longer in jail shirt is ri- is raising a lot of questions already answered by my i'm no longer in jail shirt <laughs> absolutely so uh he's running again let's finish on a high let's do laura Lula. Uh, let, let, do let me get there he's again. running again Right? He's paying himself, and you know, he's still making money off of all the idiots. He's Can made... we send him to jail again? Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, he's made appearances on InfoWars, uh, probably a connection he made via his uh, advisor, Roger Stone. Uh, <laughs> via his jail time with all the other <laughs> He's been on OAN, he's been on Newsmax, and as long as enough cash rolls in to keep him enjoying that overpriced sushi, he'll probably do it forever. So, Benedict, that brings us to our final grifter of the evening, and probably Laura the reason why rumor. I did this episode. That, Laura this Elizabeth I know you Loomer. Just, yeah. Yes. And and before we get started, I, I do this a lot with you. And I don't know why I do, because we're not a video show. People can't see this. But all the time, I will hold up a book for you to see that I uh, that I have all the fucking yeah. time. And just address it like, look, I have this. Uh, but you can see, Benedict, I am holding I can. Laura Loomer's book, Loomered. And I would also <laughs> like to represent to you and, and show you that it is, in fact, a signed copy of Laura Hell Loomer's yeah. book. Did you get it signed, or Benedict, did you buy a signed copy? I buy all of my books used from used bookstores on the internet. This is, not joking, the third used right-wing shitbag book I have bought that accidentally came to be signed. Okay, I, I have this is... one. I have Charlie Kirk's book, which accidentally came to be signed. His fucking book. And I think, um, I think the other one I have is, like, Rush Limbaugh's brother. I have his That, is, that is genuinely sad. a sadder six-word story than Hemingway could ever write. 
Because it's like, I went and got this signed copy of this book and I am so disappointed in this that I thought I was going to love that I am going to give right. it away. Also, the- I know the Hemingway thing is apocryphal. Don't at yes, me. I yes, know yes. that. It's fine. But it, like everyone thinks it's true. So I'm, I'm leaning in with the populace. <laughs> It is. Christ. It is really because, like, it's not people like me who are going to get this book signed. It's people no. who like her. Yeah. Oh god. Yep. But Laura Loomer was born May twenty first, nineteen ninety three. She's fucking mm-hmm. younger than us. She's twenty nine. Yeah. That's and, not. That's right. depressing because she looks like total shit. She really oh, looks uh, bad. A friend of mine used to live in, like, moved into the apartment that she moved oh, out of what? in New York. Yeah. Wow. Just empty needles all over the place. It's a Botox joke, <laughs> not a heroin joke. No, um, no comment. Uh, I hate making fun of her appearance Botox? like that. Yeah, oh yeah, people do that all the time. People do like really? preventative Botox. I I told you before. Botox? What's, preventative what Botox. Botox like, my building has these events, which I can only assume are this hedonistic bacchanal, where it's it's like Saturday Botox and bubbly, where you can go down to our amenity floor where we, we have all these nice like stuff and you can you just may, sit around you may be, and get you may Botox be telling and drink yourself champagne. a little bit here, <laughs> just in terms of where you live. But I don't, I don't like making fun of her appearance, but, I mean, she legitimately, like, looks worse than, than other people her age. She just does. Um, it's bad. But Laura first came to prominence, if you can call it that, uh, for getting suspended by her college for secretly recording professors for Project Veritas. Uh, and the whole gag that she was doing was that she wanted to start an ISIS supporting club. And basically mm, the yeah, best she got was someone suggesting that she start a club in support of the Middle East instead. Uh, okay. And my suspicion is that they already knew about her bullshit because this is a private Catholic school called Barry University that has less than 3,800 undergrads. So okay. I have to imagine people knew, ah, fucking Laura's here doing her shit. Uh, so that's, that's less people than the she's high school I graduated from. Fa- famously not a Catholic. Right? No, like no, she is Jewish. Yeah. She is Jewish. And that came up in her recent campaign. We talked about it two episodes, two or three When she was ago. like, vote for the anti-Semitic candidate. Right. She was, she was, well, she was the candidate. So, yeah, but she came me. out in support of Christian nationalism. We talked about yeah. on our Christian episode. Uh, but in July yeah. of 2015, she tried to do another undercover sting uh, where she tried to get Clinton campaign workers to accept illegal donations. The only problem is they, they wouldn't accept the illegal donations. So that one... That does kind of... Kind of... Put a fork in it. your vibe, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she kept working for Project Veritas till about 2017. Uh, and in summer of 2017, did some reporting for the uh, Canadian white supremacist media outfit Rebel Media. Uh, and, of course, she has been a recurring guest and occasional reporter for InfoWars. And I know I've always used InfoWars as a heuristic for just unacceptable by default, but good God, is it horrifying how hard the right is working to change that right now. Like, I, I every day I'm like, are you, are you fucking shitting me? Like, you're legitimately trying to rehab Alex Jones because you realize that is where your audience has gone. Like, Tucker and fucking everybody on Fox News. Holy fuck. Is it insane that that is happening to me? It's been driving me nuts. Um, <laughs> but on election day in 2016, uh, she showed up at a polling place in New York in a burqa and requested a ballot for Huma Abedin, the Clinton staffer that the right devoted one of their five minutes hate to for being a victim of that yep. shit husband, Anthony Weiner, and lies about her supposed role in Benghazi. Uh, and yep. uh, Huma Abedin is a Muslim, but she 
And famously does not wear Does a not wear a hijab. A even a hijab, no. much less a burqa or a niqab. Yeah. If you need any other indication of this just being a gross racist stunt, right? It's one of those, if you're Muslim, you must support the oppression of women, even if you clearly don't sort of things that the right loves so much. It's, it's fucking insane. Yeah. Like, it's the sort of thing, you know, you and I... Uh, we sort of started out in atheist spheres online and there's like yep. the right wing shitlord atheists who have also fallen into that thing of just Muslim equals hate women, even though like that applies to all religions, like the fucking Bible. Hey, Laura, the, a lot of her fucking anti-Muslim hate tweets were about how, you know, the left is so hypocritical. Muslims want to kill all the gays. Look, they throw them off of buildings. It's like. Lorma, Laura, you're Jewish. You believe in the Torah and your books, and they say that gay people should be killed also. It's like people find ways to get around the things in their books that are obviously immoral, even if they're by, you know, if you follow their religion to a T, yeah, I agree. They probably would have to follow that. But, you know, yep. religion is a process of trying to figure out how to get away with not doing the things you really shouldn't. As she knows, as a Jewish yeah. person who does things that don't correspond with the yeah, religion. Yeah, like endorsing Christian nationalism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, in 2017, uh, she jumped on stage during the performance of Julius Caesar at Shakespeare in the Park in New York City. And I wasn't at that performance, but yeah, I saw I was that gonna Because I remember at the time we talked about that and you told me that you yeah. hadn't seen, you weren't at the one that she interrupted, obviously, but that you had seen yeah. that play. I think you'd seen it like shortly before she went to go. Do yeah, it. it was very inoffensive. <laughs> like it was literally like it, the guy playing Julius Caesar wore like a power suit and a t red tie that Great. was too long. Great. And that yeah. was it. Like it was like, it, like it was clearly meant to be Trump, yeah. but it was like, you know, well, also like, Julius Caesar is not the villain of that play. <laughs> okay, the funny part is, she, while she was being arrested, you know, pulled off stage, she got like a fine in the end. Uh, she was screaming that this was normalizing violence against the right and normalizing violence against Trump, of course, which completely ignores the fact that the theater company, which puts on Shakespeare in the Park, has done Julius Caesar, Caesar with each of the past several presidents being portrayed as yep. Caesar. Like... They've oh, just literally, sure, yeah. They did it with I mean, Obama. They did it with fucking Bill yeah. Clinton. They did it with Bush. They did it with all of them. Because it's just an overused trope. Like, it's not, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's also, I mean, like, again, it, Julius Caesar in the play is just an ambitious mm -hmm. ruler who is, like... And the people that avenge Caesar are the good guys in the play. Like it, like Mark Antony is gives one of Shakespeare's great speeches, calling for vengeance against the killers of Caesar. So it's not like you know. I guess there's some romanticization, but like Julius Caesar is not. It's a little morally ambiguous. Like nerd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the aftermath of that event, of course. She got an interview interview on Fox News with Sean Hannity, of course she did. which I tend to think was the point all along, right? And of course, the uh, twelve thousand three hundred eighty-five dollars in donations that she made from her crowdfunding campaign far exceeded the minor fines that she received for interrupting the play. Uh, she's also hmm. done stunts like hire men from a Home Depot parking lot, who she claimed were were undocumented, uh, to jump the fence of Nancy Pelosi's house. Uh, she broke into the Gal California governor's mansion grounds in Serape and Sombrero, uh, and she interrupted the women's march while yelling about Nazis. So that's the nope. sort of great stuff she's get. But in other words, her whole career, what little of it there is to be said, has been about, you know, public stunts to get attention. And some of her finest hours indeed 
have come after she absolutely lost her goddamn mind because of her ban from most of social media, which is probably what she is and should be most well known for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the 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 chaining oneself in front of Twitter <laughs> HQ. Oh yes, it's not even Twitter HQ. It's it's the San uh, Francisco headquarters. I don't know if that's the main head. We'll talk about it in a minute. No, she, we'll she we'll talk York, about it in a minute, Benedict. Let she me did get it in New there. York, not here. She did it in New York, not yeah, San wherever it was. Uh, so you know, in addition to being uh, uh, an in-person troll, Loomer has also, of mm. course, been an internet troll for most of her public career. Yep. Uh, she notoriously once spent an entire afternoon complaining about Uber and Lyft drivers in a series of tweets. One of which, for example, read, "Quote: I'm late to the NYPD press conference because I couldn't find a non-Muslim cab or Uber, or she even tagged them at Uber at Lyft driver for over 30 minutes." This is insanity. So you can imagine how the rest of them went. Uh, that resulted in her being banned from Uber and Lyft for life. Because, of course, it's incredibly fucked up to say that shit. I mean, yep. A, probably a lie, right? I mean, did she ask each of her drivers their religion and then refuse to get yep. in the car if they said Muslim? I doubt it. She probably just missed a train and came up with an excuse. Uh, but if it is true that she refused rides... It's almost certainly based entirely on the drivers looking Muslim to her. Because yeah, that's extremely racist. Yeah, incredibly racist, right? Anti-Middle Eastern bigotry is Laura's favorite form of bigotry. Um, I, I'm not sure that's even anti-Middle Eastern. I, I think that's just anti-Brown. Just anti -brown, brown, right? Like, yeah, it could yeah. be North African or any number of places. I don't know. Did she, did she get a bunch of cab drivers who looked Indonesian to her and she thought that they must be Muslim because she can discern uh, an Indonesian from a Singaporean? And God, just the layers of racism that goes into this bullshit. Um, she hilariously, of course, in 2018, went to Minneapolis with the man who owns my heart, Jacob Wool, uh, where they mm. cavorted in the streets wearing bulletproof vests with fake bodyguards and pretended that the streets of Minnesota were under Sharia law, all in pursuit of... Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> spreading the Ilhan Omar married her brother lie. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah I remember that. I, I was much more plugged into the Laura Lima stuff, definitely. You know, that is before she was banned from everything, so she was a little bit more uh, accessible. Back then, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in 2018, though, of course, later that year, she was banned from Twitter for tweeting, quote, Isn't it ironic how the Twitter moment used to celebrate women, I think it meant movement, but she typed moment, used to celebrate mm -hmm. women, LGBTQ, and minorities is a picture of Ilhan Omar. Ilhan is pro-Sharia. Ilhan is pro-FGM. Under Sharia, homosexuals are oppressed and killed. Women are abused and forced to wear the hijab. Ilhan is anti-Jewish. And while that's the tweet that broke the birdie's back, you know, anyone familiar with the hate she spewed on the platform probably would agree with me it should have been and could have been hap you know, could have happened long before based on any number of her racist ass tweets. Um, it doesn't need to be said that all that was a bunch of horseshit. Ilhan Omar, of course, doesn't promote FGM. She doesn't promote killing gay people. Like, that's just that straight up, if you're Muslim, you support the things that I say about Islam. Bullshit. Uh, and in 2019, yep. she was banned from PayPal, GoFundMe, and Venmo. But it's Loomer's response to her social media ban that is a moment in internet history so fine it deserves dwelling on. So first, there was her appearance for an interview where she appeared wearing a blue shirt with her face on it and the words freeloomer.com, which I am sad to tell you is not a currently operating website. 
Although, that does mean that the URL is up for grabs. So, oh, hell yeah. Anybody out there... So get those Patreon donations in. <laughs> anybody out there looking, you can go park on that bad boy. But thankfully, the Wayback Machine does have us covered. And the capture of the site that I jumped into on November 6, 2020, has the all-caps text in the header, Left-wing big tech companies discriminate against conservative values. Sign the petition to stop social media bias and free Loomer today! Just good stuff. And then below that... That was a Mark Levin. <laughs> yeah. Below that, banned again! PayPal has terminated my account and is withholding funds for no other reason than the fact that I am a conservative Jewish American who exposes left-wing hypocrisy, political violence, and Islamic terrorism in the U.S. When PayPal was asked why they banned me by Newsweek, their response was, our decisions are value-based. This is coming from a company that still allows a terrorist-designated group the Council on American-Islamic Relations, to continue to use their PayPal account. What are PayPal's values? Uh, the whole CARE thing, it was like the UAE who called CARE a terrorist group, and that was like, basically it seems to help the right in the U.S. to throw them a bone. Uh, and then further down on the site, it says, My name is Laura Loomer. As many of you may have heard, I was permanently banned from Twitter for life on November 21st, 2018. And then I was banned for 30 days from Facebook less than 24 hours later. In another... It sounds like an ASPCA ass. <laughs> you need that sad Sarah McLaughlin song Sarah playing Sarah McLaughlin, yeah. <laughs> less than 24 hours later, in another example of collusion by tech giants to censor conservative voices. What was my offense? Did I spew hateful, violent rhetoric towards anyone we frequently see leftist celebrities and politicians do online? Nope. Did I post racist comments or call for genocide against a group of people? Nope. Did I invite a riot or call for the president to be assassinated like leftists often do on Twitter? Nope. I merely shared a fact. Yes, the truth can now get you banned for life from the internet. In America, the land of the free, and the only country with a First Amendment right. The tweet that Twitter decided to ban me for was full of facts about Sharia law. It was a tweet directed at Ilhan Omar a newly elected congresswoman, a politician, a political figure, which pointed out that her support of Sharia law does not make her an ally for gay people, women, or Jews, as Twitter would like you to believe. <laughs> Fun fact is you can find uh, pictures and video of Laura, who I will remind you is a Jewish woman, hanging out with the Holocaust-denying Nazi Nick Fuentes because white supremacist youth aren't logical, just like the last generation of white supremacists weren't and and they're all willing to bend over backwards and sacrifice their principles to get a few more followers though so, you know that's that's what it's all about but that that got her yep. lifetime ban uh but anyway here's um here's that interview i was telling you about of laura okay let's do it this is a fun one right here they're just trying to kill us you want to know what they're trying to do they want us dead and i hate to make it all about myself but i have been defamed okay my life has been destroyed my life has been ruined, Alex, by people who have defamed me online. I am 25 years old, and it will probably be like this for the rest of my life. But what are they doing? I want to know what people are actually going to do. My life is ruined. Does anybody understand how ruined my life is? I'm sick of it. I don't want to listen to people tell me that I'm a conspiracy theorist. They don't know what it's like to be me. My life is ruined, Alex. No, I understand. I just think you need to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the irony of complaining about being called a conspiracy theorist to 
And Alex Jones, I mean, that's... I mean, and also, even Alex Jones was like, yeah, okay. Oh, God, <laughs> I didn't bother to go pull up, like, the full interview, but he is just so not giving a fuck about what yeah. she says. And that the, the Knowledge Fight guys covered the entire day, and uh, I'll see if I can find it and post it in the show notes, but he's just not giving a fuck. He's just like, yeah, Laura, yeah, well, I guess you're stuck with us, which I enjoy, so... Then there was that time that uh, Laura hand her, handcuffed herself to Twitter headquarters, but only to yep. one side of the door, and yep, hilariously so stood get there yeah. for hours while nobody gave a flying fuck, and eventually she just asked them to unlock her and left. And Twitter didn't even press charges for trespass, so she couldn't get the persecution narrative that she wanted from it. And here, Benedict, for you now, is a portion of that. She accidentally pushed the siren button on her mini megaphone. Yep. Good stuff. Hello, everybody. The everybody is about six people. (laughs) That sounds right. So good. So her grift is just to try and get her Twitter account. Benedict, back, that's what right? I was going a, to get to. Is a, I believe okay. that the entirety of what she has done afterwards, by which I mean running for Congress, is about her attempt to get her Twitter profile back. Because you saw how she reacted on Alex Jones's show. My life is ruined, Alex. Yeah, My life is yelling. ruined because she was kicked off of Twitter. That. Yep. I mean, it might be true that she can't make any money any other way because she has. Well, so... clearly not because she's running for election and she nearly won, didn't she? Like she got close well, enough. We'll talk like, about too it. Close we'll talk winning. about it in a moment. But right, you know, when when none of when nothing else works, when chaining yourself to Twitter headquarters doesn't work, what can you do except run for Congress in Florida, hoping that the blatantly unconstitutional law they passed a while back mandating social media companies allow politicians access will get you back on. So she ran yep. for the first time in 2020 against Democrat Lois Frankel in Florida's 21st congressional district. And she won the primary huh, with 42.5% of the votes, or 14,526, mm-hmm. to the second place of 25.5%. Uh, she got a congratulatory tweet from Trump after the primary, which it still delights me that she was unable to like or retweet, that said, Great going, Laura. You have a great chance against a Pelosi puppet. Uh, and uh, endorsements from Matt Gates and Roger Stone, who binds all three of our figures cool. together today. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. eventually Trump staffers had to downplay his uh, endorsement, if you will, of her, uh, just saying basically he says that for every Republican that wins an election. We know she's embarrassing. Yeah. Please don't tie us to her. Uh, and Twitter and Facebook did unequivocally state after she won the primary that they would not unban her, though. But it all doesn't really matter because in the general, she got crushed by Lois Frankel, 59% to 39.1%. But when you get knocked down, 
what do you do but pick back up and try, try again? That's right, Tub Thumpin'. <laughs> um, nobody knows that that's actually the name of that song. That's the problem. You need to say, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Yeah. Uh, there are like there are like two fans of uh, fuck. Why am I blanking on the name of that band? Um, Chumbawamba. Like two, I'm sure there are two solid fans of Chumbawamba in the universe. Anarchist band, by the way, yep. really cool dudes. Uh, but when uh, you know you get back up again, so in September 2021, she announced that she was going to run this time for Florida's 11th district, where Republican incumbent Daniel Webster, who also sucks, has been in office since 2018. Uh, this time, uh, Loomer had the backing of the American Liberty Fund, which is a small pack run by a weirdo libertarian former congressman who also had his own failed 2008 presidential run on the libertarian ticket. Uh, I looked up their filings, and in 2022, that fund raised about $700,000. Uh, she also had the endorsements of Marjo Green and sure. white supremacist creepy neck movement enthusiast Paul Gosar. Huh? as well as Roger Stone and QAnon promoter Michael Flynn. So cream of la crop here. Uh, Sorry, did we... Did, I, I may have missed you saying this, uh-huh. but is the the first time she ran... Yeah. That was in Trump's voting district, right? No, this is the second The second time it was Trump's No, district. no, but... The, the, no, no, not now. Now, yes, now. No, really? I thought he lived at Mar-a-Lago. Right, which is, uh, am I getting it back? It's I might be getting it backwards. It's in the 21st district. I might be getting it backwards, yeah. It's in yeah. the 21st district. I, so the first time he ran, when he tweeted out his endorsement, that mm-hmm. was him being like, I'm voting for her. I, I think... Literally. I think that could be correct, yeah. But I I think what I remember is the statement that uh, if she won, she would be representing Trump, and how cool would that be that I seem to remember her making? Um, yeah, so that was the twenty. That was when she ran in okay. twenty twenty, yeah, and then so now she's the changed. She's in yeah. the eleventh. She's running near Orlando. Yeah, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so she had those great endorsements. And of course, that election was held just last week. And Benedict, how do you think our girl did? She did pretty well, actually. Like, given that she'd probably win the general, she did she better won. than anyone else we talked about today. To be yeah, fair, yeah, <laughs> she got like forty five percent, right? Uh, she lost. Uh, she got forty four point two percent of the vote to Webster's fifty one point one percent of the primary okay. vote. And um, what did she do right after that election? Cried, she claimed election fraud, and refused to concede. Yep. Sure. She still refuses to concede and has pretty much that gone to the sense. same, the, the Trump playbook, right? Um, yeah. She claims that she was in the lead in this election and then the tech people came in and used the electrics and stole the election because, duh, <laughs> right. she was ahead early and that's all that matters. And all the reality right. of the situation. That, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> the reality of the situation is that uh, she was ahead early because she campaigned really hard and won Sumter County which is the location of the retirement home, The Villages. The uh, Villages, famously, yeah. Which also happened to report its its votes first, which gave her a yeah. lead when things were being counted. Because they always do. Within the space of an hour, this isn't even an overnight situation, within the space of an hour, as other counties began to report and Webster won just about everywhere else, her lead evaporated and became clear she had absolutely no chance of winning. But you know, our girl, she had some things to say about that situation afterwards. So why don't we hear what she had to say? I'm not conceding because I'm a winner, and the reality is, is our Republican Party is broken to its core. All we have done tonight, 
has really honestly shocked the nation. We have further exposed the corruption within our own feckless, cowardly Republican Party. And that is exactly the reason why Right? I decided to run against the Rhino Republican, Daniel Webster. Do nothing, Daniel Webster. Yeah. 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 I love the attempt to give him a moniker. Do, Do nothing, nothing, Daniel Webster. That's not a bad one, to be honest. It's not a bad one, but it's very much obviously trying to, to copy the Trump thing, right? Yeah. We are losing our country because of big tech election interference. And I am pleading with the Republican Party to please start taking this issue seriously. So these are several different clips you might have noticed. Uh, this one came a little later, I think, after it started yep. to set in for her a little more clearly that she was obviously losing, and, and she yep. is, it seems, uh, cracking up a little bit in this one. Please, because the American people deserve representation, and that's, a, that's why I ran for Congress in 2020. It's why I ran for Congress in 2022, and it's why I'm going to keep fighting for all of you. Well, Benedict... I think we both know by this point, the real reason she ran for Congress, and I tell you this with absolute certainty, is because she wanted her Twitter back. <laughs> and that! <The> end. <laughs> that's how you end an episode right there, buddy. That is how you, that's how you do it. All right. So thank you all for listening. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed the show. I know it's a little out. Uh, yeah, it's not our usual subject matter, but I thought it'd be fun. Um, and uh, if you want more of us, Patreon. You know where to go. Patreon.com forward yep. slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. And as always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Ghost of Old Knock Jones, Polly Houtman, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Tinker's Dam, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shannon Hailman, Utah Outcast, yeah, Outcasts, huh. Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Dodd Snow, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw! Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taro Tucannon, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, shake your money, mega like somebody about to pay you. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.